0: Welcome to the South fellowship Church Podcast. Here at South fellowship we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message.
1: We're going to begin today by being a little bit reflective. For many of you, you'll know that there's so many things going on in the world right now. So many tensions, so many heartaches what I'd like to do is to invite you into a moment of contemplation and prayer. If you'd like to bow your heads with me. I'm gonna lead us through a moment where I'm gonna name some of those things, maybe things that this morning are a burden that you carried in. A thing that has been on your heart, an ache. And I'm gonna invite you in this moment to respond to each line with these words, Lord, have mercy It's a way of entering into those things that we're praying for. Those things that we read about, that we see on 24 seven news. Those things that for some people are life changing. For some of us are things that we try and avoid. And so we begin. God, for those nations in conflict in this moment, Lord have mercy. For the young men and women far from home, serving unsure what returning home looks like, Lord have mercy. For the young mother and father raising children in a war zone, uncertain if they have a future, Lord have mercy. For the leaders who are leading, the commanders who are commanding, the followers that are following, Lord have mercy. For the parents grieving the loss of a child, Lord have mercy. For the families fleeing natural disaster in this moment, Lord have mercy. For those whose hearts ache with uncertainty, Lord have mercy. For those experiencing fear, Lord have mercy. For those of us that don't know what to do with our grief and our heartache, Lord, have mercy. For this world that you love and you care about, Lord, have mercy. God, with so many things going on in our world, it is hard to know how to pray and hard to know whether our prayers have made a difference. For every person in Afghanistan, for every person in Louisiana, and all over the world. God, we ask for your mercy. We ask that you would show yourself to be good. When we don't know how to pray, we know that our hearts groan, and you hear somehow our prayers for this world. Would you show yourself to be good? We think of the so many the lyrics that and they're more than lyrics, the prayers that we just prayed. We prayed for those that are poor and powerless. We prayed for those in their weak moments that you would be good to them. We prayed for this world that it would come to no hope in you. And we pray for ourselves, for each individual in this room, no matter where we are in our faith journey. May you speak to our hearts. May you lead us closer to you. May you be merciful. Amen. Thank you for praying with me, friends. Good morning. My name's Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're visiting, uh, we're really glad that you joined us. I hope you have a great time with us here. You're joining us just at the end of a series called What If We? You'll notice that we're doing something a little bit different today because there are six chairs seven chairs, set up behind me. And of course, if you are new and visiting, that speaks into one of the deepest fears that we might say to you, could you come up front and share with us some of the ways that you have failed, all of the ways that you are broken uh, with the community? So if you are new, could you make your way to the... we wouldn't do that. I've been in churches that have done that. It was just as awful as you might imagine. Uh, But we are gonna do something a bit different. We're gonna invite some of our community members to just share some of the ways that they are involved. One of the joys of a church like South is it's not really about me on stage. It's not really about uh, the staff. It's not really about the elders. It's really about people in our community who have taken this good news about Jesus to heart and, and are doing something wonderful and compelling with it. So to catch you guys up, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks. We started to shape this idea as part of our vision. We've got our wonderful vision statement that we love. We're living in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. But that sometimes needs a little bit more unpacking. And so we started to play with this sentence. What if we became a Jesus people who are relationally connected, deeply formed and outward reaching? And, and let's start for a second with our idea of relationships. This is, called, this is a place where we are called to know and to be known. Think about, for a second, the most significant relationship in your life. Unless that's a biological family member, that started with this one moment. It started with all of this possibility in this first encounter. Maybe it's the moment you met a loved one. Maybe it's the moment you met a best friend, but somewhere there was this moment where you met and all of these possibilities. They all came to life in that moment and the deep relationship that you have now is only possible because of that first meeting, that first encounter. And we think about a Jesus-shaped community and think that there's this call here for us to be in relationship with each other and yet it takes the faith of like that first moment to enter into that relationship and to build those deeper relationships. It takes bravery, it takes work. There's this idea that we are called to be relationally connected, but the idea is that it doesn't just stop at relationally connected somewhere there is this call for a church community to be about deep formation we talked about how that word might be new to you it's very similar to the word discipleship but last week our formation pastor Yvonne she came and she just did a wonderful job sort of shaping that idea and let me just say this as an aside it's so nice to be able to go on vacation and know that someone will come and do this wonderful job in the teaching and just have that life in a church now it almost made up for the fact that the fishing during the week was terrible and we caught almost nothing worth I they almost made up for that fact. We caught a lot of bluegill and nothing else. And if you've fished and you know what bluegill are like, they take some work to cut up. And I got landed with some of that cutting up for these tiny little innocent fish that my kids had caught and insisted that we should eat. And I remember standing there at one point cutting this poor little thing and thinking, man, this, this little nugget of fish was not really worth it. So I went back to my kids and said to them this. I said, I have a standard of fish that I am willing to cut up. And it's not these fish. So if you want to participate and provide for a meal, then, well, you need to help with the cutting up. Now, I knew that considering these kids won't even put worms on a hook themselves, there was very little chance of them cutting up fish. They can't even walk past the fish house without gagging. And suddenly, surprisingly, the standard of fish that was considered worth keeping suddenly dramatically raised. Suddenly, it took sort of a couple of feet to be kept, and we didn't catch anything of that size at all. So... It it worked out well. We want to be these people that are deeply formed, and this is what Yvonne landed on. There's this passage in Galatians, this writer, Paul, writing to one of the churches he's planted, he sees his relationship with them as something like that of a mother with children. My dear children, for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. There is this longing that we would be shaped people, that something in us would be changed. And I think if you're honest, if I'm honest, there's probably things about us that we long to see different. I've sat with some people that have been followers of Jesus for a long time, and they've said quite honestly, you know, I don't really like me, and I'm surprised anybody else does as well. Now, maybe we're overstating some of the things, but, but the truth is, for most of us, there's some stuff going on internally that we're like, oh, if I was different there, that would be a dream. Somewhere this idea of this Jesus story is that you and I can be those shaped and different people. And that that most often happens not as a solo sort of single thing, but it happens in groups of some kinds. It happens when we're connected to other people. We looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago. It's in Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In actual fact, it's only when we step into relationship, really, that that deep formation work has a chance to happen. It doesn't happen just by ourselves. There's some piece missing if it's just us going through it by ourselves. And yet, there's this third piece. What if we became a Jesus people who are relationally connected, deeply formed, and outward reaching What if the thing that God started to change in you, the ways that he gives you different passions for different areas of the world, for for different people groups maybe, for different areas of ministry, what if he was shaping you and I for a reason and there was actually something for you to do with that thing? What if the very act of being changed by Jesus was preparing you for something in your future, something in your life, something for you to connect with, something for you to do maybe. There's this passage in this book Ephesians, and I'm always intrigued by this idea. Now, to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Maybe the language we might be used is, what has God given you a grace for? What has he given you a heart, a passion for. Maybe you've met those people. I've got a few friends like this. They are so passionate about this one particular area of ministry that they really don't see as much value in everything else as this one area that they are working in. It's, I've seen it in some people that are very passionate about seeing modern slavery disappear. And when you hear them talk, it's so compelling to them. They can't understand why everybody else isn't as compelled by this one thing. Maybe it's recovery from addiction. And and I'm saying this as a good thing. Sometimes God puts something on our heart to such a degree, we say, I can't help but get involved in it. But we may think about that idea as been for people that stand on stages and people that run organizations. And yet, let's look at what Paul says in the next part of this passage. And it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. But what did he give them for? To equip the saints for works of ministry and to build up the body of Christ until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God as we mature to the full measure of the stature of Christ. To equip the saints for works of ministry. The whole point of people standing on stages of running ministries, organizations, is to make sure every single one of us knows we have a part to play. There is nobody who is made just to sit and observe. We are all made to be connected to something. And so I'd like to invite some friends on stage, some people that in our church community are involved in some of these wonderful things, some people who are inspiring because of the way that it seems God has formed them, has worked in their heart and and is compelling them to do something. So we're gonna try and figure out the order a little bit better than we did last time. And one of our friends that joined us in the first service, Neil asked why he was the only guy. And for asking such a question, we removed him from the stage. So he's not with us for this service, so he's gone. Uh, He's actually serving kids ministry. But I'm going to start with our food, uh, food bank team. So Erin, Kara, would you like to come join me on stage? And let's give them a round of applause. Yes. Neil's not, here. Neil's not here, so we've got a spare chair. So maybe we'll just pull someone up at random. No, I said I wouldn't do that. So just give us a, just a brief snippet. I, I kind of gave it away a little bit, but, but what ministry are you guys involved in?
2: We're involved with the food bank. <laughs> and yeah, um... and um, all week long, we have a team of volunteers who pick up food from local grocery stores, sort it, and set out the best that we're given. And then on Saturdays, we welcome people from the community to shop for their families. And then on Sunday mornings, um, we still have one more pickup Saturday night, so we share with our South family What's left over. And you're always welcome to come back and shop. There's a There we go. Promo. An offer
1: of free food is one that I'm always willing to jump on. So thank you for offering that to me personally. Uh, and we, this, this is a historic ministry at South. It's been going on for a long time. We had Sharon in the, the first service, who we did invite to come up on stage with us. And she very kindly said, I have no interest in being on stage with you. Uh, and so we, we said, That's okay. You don't have to be up front. Not everyone wants to do what these guys are very kindly doing today. But this has been going on for a long time. I believe Shari Malat at some point was running a food bank as part of South From, her garage, and it's at different times been organic. It's just started from somewhere different. Times been something the church has been involved in, and and now we're in this new iteration where it's this team-led ministry which just seems to be thriving. So thank you guys so much. Okay, Jodie Nevins, let's uh, let's invite Jodie to the stage. Give her a round of applause. And we said in the first service, you guys are welcome to cheer and they're welcome to cry because some of these stories are emotional. So any tears are are very welcome. Uh, And so Jody, tell us a little bit about your role. You've been involved in operations at South for a long time and now starting to take on a different role, uh, working with Dan and then taking over some of that ministry.
0: Yes, I like to do a lot of things. So I started actually with women's ministry and then did more of admin and now operations. But as Steve has come on board and taken on more of that, my heartbeat has always been for community and i 've been involved in different things like the Christmas shop and things like that in the past and um, as um, just local as Alex has talked about i 'm um, just wanting to have a huge heart for our community and building that up some more i 'm taking on more of the local outreach stuff here at South so,
1: so that, and that 's a wonderful journey i 'm super excited to see how that evolves. Ruth, would you like to come join us on the stage, my dear friend Ruth Nichols and And so I said to the first of his, Ruth was the person who very gently, when I started here at South, sat down with me and said, just so you know, we've been here for 20 years, so if you mess this up, and she left this wonderful comic pause where I was like, what's going to happen to me? Like, am I, I going to end up buried in the back parking lot or something like this? And, and then she said to me, she said, we'll still be here because this is our community. This is our home. And the joy to a new pastor's heart with someone like Ruth was just delightful. And we get to hear some of her stories today. And so Ruth, just briefly, as we, we prep the stories, tell us a little bit about the ministry you and Don have been involved with for a long time.
3: My husband, Don, and many here at South have been involved with reaching out to immigrants, refugees. Uh, my particular part was with the Vietnamese ministry. We've been at it for 30 years.
1: I love it. Thank you, Ruth. Um, and then uh, finally, who have we got? Hannah and not Neil because he's going and serving. Yeah, imagine Neil was walking on stage with you. <laughs> And Hannah, just a little bit, same, same question. Just tell us a little bit about the area of ministry that you've been participating in. Yeah,
4: I've been working, or Neil and I have been working with uh, refugees, immigrants, mostly refugees, um, in the Denver area. This is my mentorish <laughs> person here. Um, really involved with a lot of the Afghans in the community. But, and then we have a specific area where we go to, as well as, yeah. In Sheridan, there's an area where there's a lot um, in one concentrated area, so Uh we spend a lot of time there as well.
1: Love it. Thank you. And I'm going to wander over to my chair. I'm going to become like a talk show host and sit very casually over here. I asked if I could do the Stephen Colbert thing and have a chair that's way higher than everybody else's so I look more significant, but it was decided in church that wasn't a good idea, so I'm I'm here with everybody else. So we're going to go back to the other end of the uh, the line and, and just start with this question of, what drew you in uh, they, these are ministries uh, that, that involve different sacrifices some of them it's relational it's it's hard to break into those communities some of it's, it's it's just the time it's an every week it's it's got a lot of, that you have to give what what pulled you in
5: um i just i love the ethos of the food bank i love what it's about and we have such a precious message to share with the world of Jesus' love of Jesus love for everyone, and this allows us to really put hands and feet to it, mm-hmm. and just enter in on, and do life on life. I mean, we know that being in need does not in any way affect your worth or your value, and that's often not the way the world reacts, and so having a space where people can come and just do life together and bring their needs, and we we can meet a food need, but that's really just the tip of the iceberg. It's really coming alongside so much more. Um, and you, you kind of made a crack about you know welcoming new people to share your, your deepest sorrows and your, <laughs> and it's but that's what happens week in week out. We just we get to really journey deeply in life with a number of our people who just share deeply. They know we're praying. We're part of their journey, um, and they're part of our journey. And it's it's really it's not a top down. It's just we're doing life together. And if they can get a glimpse of kingdom love in that, that's just really exciting to me.
1: And they get to share voluntarily as well, which is important, like instead of being forced up on stage to share everything deeply. Sh- it's yeah. just something. Forced to some, share. But that yeah. not that incredible in itself? What we're saying is that while that sounds terrible, actually there's this deep longing that we all have to share some of these weights and these burdens. And Absolutely. you guys just provide this opportunity and it all comes out, which is incredible, really. Absolutely. Aaron, how about you?
2: Um, I got started in the food bank when I was a younger mom, homeschooling young kids, and um, I met Sharon Motzner, who was the director and is still on the leadership team. She's been here for over 20 years, helping with the food bank. And she saw something in me. And what she's really good at is creating space for people to grow and learn and develop. Mm -hmm. And so she kept offering me more responsibility and more responsibility, and then I said no a few times. Um, but there's um, an opportunity to come alongside her on the leadership team and really share the responsibility of running the food bank because it's a lot of work and we're all volunteers. And so um, she invited me to do that and I finally said yes. I felt like that was something that God had for me in this season.
1: And you guys have such a wonderful culture. Sharon was really at a point where she she was starting to say, I'm ready to stop doing some of this leadership piece. And yet then really said, well, actually, no, there's a joy there. It's it's not just a a job. It's not just about something you have to do. It's something that's deeply part of her, which is incredible. And so thankful for that. Jody, how about you? What was the the call? You've been involved in things like the food bank shop that we do at Christmas time before having a, a church staff role that was around outreach.
0: Yeah, our family has been at South for 11 years. And one of the things that drew us to South was just the community and their, their passion to reach people in our community, to show love through the food bank, through all the different ways that we invite people to our spaces and, and, and go out into community and love those our neighbors. So I've been involved with the Christmas shop, I've been involved with the food bank, Um, I was shopping with the food bank during COVID, and just I think a big part of it for me is that it's part of my own story. It's um, my, we lost our house when I was 11 years old to a fire, so I know what it's like to not have a home. And I know what it's like to go to those community meals and be seen and known and loved by the community. So it means something deeper for me, and our community here it shows that love, and that's why I was drawn to come here and and do the same things here.
1: And so, Ruth, your story is is quite hilarious, really, in terms of how you got pulled in. It, uh, it's, yeah, tell us about it. Just
3: share. <clears throat> it started with contentment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, just in case you were unsure, contentment can be a dangerous place to be. Regularly my prayer for us on Sunday morning is, God, would you comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable and maybe the contented? So what happened when you said, I'm really contented?
3: <laughs> I'd just been to a prayer meeting uh, at a church that had dual services, one English speaking, one Vietnamese. Um, this was a long, long time ago. And um, during the prayer meeting, two different men said they wanted a different job. I walk down the hall saying, "Lord, I thank you that I am not like those men. I am content. I teach young children in my neighborhood. Thank you for making things neat for me." Uh, then, <laughs> <laughs> I actually did that. <laughs> Do we have a class on humility later? Yeah, on? <laughs> yeah, we can figure that out. Yeah. Okay. I'll teach. No. <laughs> Uh, the door to the Vietnamese congregation uh, opened up, and two little children barreled out and collided with me. And more clearly than I've ever heard anything, God said, "Those are the ones I want you to be teaching." Wow. I tried to reason with him, but
1: <laughs>
3: didn't work. He <It> was unreasonable. <laughs> he had said it, and there was just no debate.
1: Uh. And, and so, and, and then Hannah, for you guys, and, and we said in the first service, it's intriguing the symmetry a little bit between what you guys are, are doing, because you have on the back of conflicts in Vietnam, you have this Vietnamese community kind of looked down on, maybe despised a little bit. And now for you working with an Afghani community, um, similar sort of narratives, um, and just seeing some of those, the needs in that community, what, what pulled you into working in a, an area that maybe you didn't travel to an awful lot before you started working there, it's, it's maybe we have our areas. Some of us have never left Highlands Ranch. It's okay to do that as well. Just can I say that? But, um, but yeah, what, what was that like?
4: Yeah, uh, Neil and I have, ha- for years, just have the nations on our hearts. Mm. And when we moved from California to here, one thing that God was showing us was to the ends of the earth. And we didn't know exactly what that meant. I mean, we knew, but... Didn't know for us, and so give it another year or so. um, We started taking the perspectives course, wanting to see more of how to get involved. And during that time, um, Neil had a pretty severe hand injury, and because of that, he really met um, the Lord in the hospital and seeing hope through the loss that he had. Mm -hmm. And in that time, um, highlighted it was in the midst of the perspectives course, and it highlighted that not that we can understand the extent of refugees loss, but that we can understand a little of loss and grief and how the Lord has brought us through that. Mm-hmm. And so we pursued um, seeing if we could be a part of going overseas, at least on a short-term trip, to go and find out, like, mm. do we need to do this long-term or what yeah. does this look like? So we ended up in Greece at a refugee camp. And for me specifically specifically, Uh, I remember going and they were refugees was a kind of a big word and they were just a bunch of people. Um, And from there, like being able to see people from all around the world and hear their stories and see their pain and and them in the midst of that tragedy, it opened my eyes to everyone, every, the Lord loves everyone. And so coming back, we ended up meeting, um, through a connection here, we ended up meeting an Afghan family and with
1: them. And it just kept on going. I love it. And, and you, you, you used that word stories, the word relationship. There's something about, I think what I love about every single one of you guys, the heart that you bring is that there's the something about the stories that you hear that have shaped you. And, and when you hear stories, when you get to know someone through their stories, suddenly they're not just a faceless sort of person anymore. You can't reduce them down to a caricature or something like that. There's something about the stories that are a compelling. So we're, we're gonna return to the, the other end of the line. I was gonna I've got a fantasy football draft later, so I was gonna do like a snake draft and stuff and go back and forward down the line, but we're just gonna start from the other end. What what, what is it? Uh, what stories would you share with people that just maybe give a little insight into some of the power of these ministries that you're connecting to? It's hard to pick one story. I'm gonna share a different yeah. one in this service. Um
5: so one of the first people I saw, I've been with Food Bank about a year and a half, and um, I'll call him Jay. I'm just going to use initials to protect confidentiality, but um, Jay and his wife, M and their kids were actually workers with World Venture in South America um, and had um, left that and were living here. and then we reconnected when I started volunteering at Food Bank because they were coming, and it was just amazing to make that reconnection with them. Um, see how God is leading their family. And it's it's been quite the journey, but the last several months, he's really been leading them to start a, a counseling ministry um, and bringing people to them. And it's a, just a, a Christ-centered, spirit-empowered counseling ministry. And they're just really seeing lives transformed. Um, that's a bit of the backdrop to the story. Another person I met really early on is E. And E's youngest daughter, Z, um, just, she's adopted. She had a really traumatic entrance into the world. Um, They probably don't even know the extent of it, but um, she's just really struggled. She's really struggled with mental health issues and acting out, Um, and we had got Z was 12, I think, when I started, and we were getting to know her some, and just sweet kid who really, really struggled, and um, we've just been on the journey with E, just praying weekly, and Z ended up being institutionalized, um, needed to be in a a live-in facility. Um, We just have prayed and watched Elizabeth, or E's faith grow, whoops, um, and have just prayed for Jesus to move in Z's heart. Um, In fact, this past Christmas, Z was in this facility and they were on a complete lockdown over Christmas and E actually came to the Christmas shop um, to get gifts for all the kids on her wing that were in lockdown because she said, Z's gonna be loved on. But so many other kids don't even have families, parents who are reaching out to them. Um, Anyway, and we just continued to pray. And then early in the summer, J and E were there at the same time at Food Bank. And I watched them sit at a table together and just thought, oh, Lord, this could be an amazing connection. Mm. And just their conversation got more and more intense and their faces lit up. And E and Z have been receiving counseling from J and M. And it is completely changing their life. Um, Z is like a different person, and she's just growing in her relationship with Jesus. She's growing in hope. And it's just been an incredible thing to kind of be on the front row and see. So that's one of the many God stories from Putin. And
1: and I love, we're talking about this idea of how relational connectivity or being connected relationally leads to formation, which which leads to, to outreach. But it's not really just that they are connected like that. It's almost like this spiral that keeps on going because what you guys are doing, this willingness to reach out into the world around you, creates opportunities for new relationships, which creates opportunities for the life change that you're, you're starting to see. And we it just, need a
5: concrete need. Yeah. And through that, God just addresses and identifies so many other needs and, and goes beyond what we could even hope.
1: I love it. Thank you.
2: I'm not sure I need to tell any other food bank <laughs> stories. Um, I'll just speak a little bit from an organizational standpoint. Um, the story of the food bank is that God provides And he provides everything from the 40 to 50 volunteers that make the whole thing work, each of them doing their parts, each of them on their own journey, there for their own reasons, to um, the shoppers that come in on Saturdays. And it was very eye-opening to me that the people we get to come alongside are everyday people, just like you and me. And we all have struggles, and we all have these hard things. And it takes a lot of courage to come to a group of strangers and ask for help. And so I just see this over and over again. I see people willing to share their stories and willing to step into hard places with courage and vulnerability. And we get to come alongside them. And in the process of that, we are also transformed. Like mm. the Holy Spirit is working in yeah. and through that and among us. And It's just a beautiful
1: thing. I love it. Thank you so much. Jody, so the food bank shop—you've talked about that just briefly. That's a place of story as well, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. The Christmas shop is, is all of our Sorry. stories here at South. Honestly, um, at the Christmas shop, we we welcome our food bank guests from that are come all year, and then also some families from our ELC that are under resourced. And the beautiful part of the Christmas shop is that you all fill it up. Like we we create a toy store and we create. A needs, like household goods store and a coat shop and things like that. And as people come in, they are just so grateful for all that you guys have given. And then there's always tears. There's always tears Mm -hmm. because people are being loved and they're given dignity. And through that process, they go from a place where they're buying kids, their toys for their kids that they wouldn't normally be able to do. And they get to go and wrap it and and just the whole experience, they're just grateful that they are given a place where they can feel comfortable to be where they're at, and that we love them right where they're at. Mm-hmm. And so all of you are proud of that. And one of the, the funny story I like to tell of one time we have Christmas elves that help people go around and and shop. And one of our Christmas elves, who's Spanish-speaking male. Was helping this lady, and he, I was across the room, and and he looked horrified. And I like, he needs help. So I walk over and I said, "What do you need?" And he's like, "She wants to know about these under women's underwear." I don't know what to say. <laughs> so he had to continue, He had to translate. But I'm here telling her, him, how to translate how women's underwear work. So. <laughs> like, <laughs> We, we get into the awkwardness, we get into the everyday questions of life, and we love on people, and we're all a part of it, in the small little things and the big things, so.
1: None of us know his name, but every guy in the room has a deep sympathy for this guy forever and always <laughs> now. <laughs> Poor man. Ruth, how about you? A story that stands out, maybe a story that just connects and, and helps people understand some of what you've seen
3: I can identify with these other people that say there's so many stories, Uh, and it is about dignity and their story I want to tell you about one I'll call her Lynn a a big chunk of what we did uh, for the Vietnamese was establish a preschool year-round for the children and a a summer school summer camp for school-aged children Uh, And I'll call her Lynn. Uh, She enrolled her little girl in our school, and she made special contact with me. She said, hey, Teacher Ruth, do your teachers know how to pray? And I assured her that we did know how to pray. (laughs) And uh, she said, would you think about praying for my niece? She's in the hospital. She may not live. And, of course, the teachers were glad to pray, For the niece, Uh, some of the teachers visited the child at uh, Children's Hospital. Uh, We just tried to fill in the blanks of what they might need. And the little girl got better, got to go home. And uh, Lynn came back to me and said, "Uh, thanks, Teacher Ruth, for praying for us. Hey, now that you're in the habit of praying, (laughs) how about you just keep praying? How about if you pray for children all over the world? And uh, I'm glad that the Holy Spirit reminded me to say this. Lynn, I prayed for you when you were a child. You were a little girl in Vietnam when the communists were taking over. My own child was sick. I was up three days and three nights while the communists were systematically coming through the country And I prayed those three days and three nights, especially for the children. I wasn't able to help you, Lynn, when you were a little girl, but now God's given me the opportunity to help your niece and your little girl and you any way I can. And Lynn grabbed my arm and cried, and it was a good moment for both of us. I love it. Thank
1: you. Hannah, how about you?
4: Well, that family, the Afghan family that Neil and I became really close with, now we call each other brother, sister, it was family. They're no longer just friends. Um, But we've spent a lot of time together and it all started with the love of Neil and the husband who loved Home Depot together
1: um,
4: and working with their hands. Um, But
1: how guys connect, Home Depot.
4: Yes, I, I think this story would... 'll we'll hit more close to home just because of what's been going on in the world right now, um, but my the wife i 'll call Ruth <laughs> um, she she grew up in a in a place where she couldn't get a lot of education, and so it's been amazing to be able to walk alongside her and, and teach her english and in the beginning we couldn't i mean communicating was not completely gone, but it was minimal. Um, But we've grown in sharing with each other and they've asked us to pray for them in several occasions and seen answers to prayer and recognize that, which is beautiful. Um, And so we just really have this close relationship. And so a couple months ago, again, before all of this stuff in Afghanistan had happened this last couple of weeks, she was sharing about some things that had happened to her family and how the Taliban had Um, brought physical pain and and just the horrific things that were going on. And she was in the midst of just, I mean, she still is, don't get me wrong by any means, but in the midst of grief and sadness and anger um, for a lot of reasons. And so in that moment, the Lord brought to mind the story of Jesus being asleep in the boat with the disciples and the disciples freaking out, not knowing what to do, and coming to find Jesus, sleeping, and wake him up. And Jesus comes up, comes and calms the wind and the waves, and, um, and they worship him. And so sharing that story, maybe 20 seconds worth of a story, and she immediately, the Lord got to her heart right there and said, they call Jesus Esau. And she said, Esau can do it. He can change their hearts. And so I'm just... Just in those little those moments, they may not be here. Here's the whole gospel, or here, I want to share everything. My heart is to for them to have the hope of Jesus, um, now and forever. But um, just seeing those little pieces, being able to share that with them, then, um, and right now, to be able to walk with them and grieve with them um, and love them, and hopefully they will see the hope of Jesus.
1: Mm. That's, that's just wonderful. And your husband, Neil, Neil and I play chess together regularly and we're pretty evenly matched. It's like 50-50. Uh, no, he's he's not like here. Yeah, yeah, I win like 80% of the time. He's not here. No one knows. Humility um, again. <laughs> but, but we were chatting one day over a game and, and it was when we were doing our friendship series and, and he asked me who my close friends were, which is a really great question, just why, why had I picked them or why had that friendship come about? And then he, he said to me, I, I would say that, Probably my closest friend in the world right now is a Muslim, is, a, is the Afghanistani family that you were talking about, that they, uh, despite different faiths, have this deep connection. They see the world similarly in lots of ways. And every single one of you, you shape these stories, and it's it's so wonderful to hear you talk about people, not as just people you're serving or, or people that you're doing things for. There's these deep relational connections, which which seems to be how Jesus operated in the world right there's something about how you see Jesus uh, he never seems to meet a stranger never seems to meet an outsider he always is bringing people closer to the center always treating people with this incredible dignity is a word we've used multiple times Uh, and so thank you for just the way that you you shine this example of Jesus for every one of you I sense that God has done a work in your hearts and it has enabled you to be the people that you are in the world, and, and the great thing is about a commu- with a community like South, there were multiple other people we could have invited to do this. It just happened to be these five people. I'm just so thankful that this is the community that we are um, so thank you for participating in that I'm going to invite these guys to take a seat rather than sit there like an old school Pentecostal church Alex like me. just hey, do you
0: can oh, can I do our call sorry yes, yes yes sorry sorry I I just wanna take this opportunity, I mean, as we've shared these stories, like this is for everybody, this isn't just for the few. Like our entire church has the ability to do things in this world that bring people to know Jesus. And one one of the things that we would love for you to do just today, just show your interest and tell us what you would like to be a part of with outreach, so fill out this. And we also have a local outreach team that has been creating some values and we're also meeting with our ministry partners and um, just creating some strategy around what we're gonna do as South as some local outreach initiatives. So we'd love to hear from you. So fill this out and put it in the offering boxes or at the welcome desk. The second thing would be if you are available tonight at 4 p.m. to come back to the all church training, Erin Kara, and I are doing an outreach breakout to hear more about what are our current values and what are we working on at outreach. So if you wanna hear more, come back for that. And then the third thing is um, we're doing a redemptive compassion class that will, um, that particular class has been some of the, has been influential in some of our values. So um, we'd love to have you join us for that. You can sign up for that in the lobby today. And then the fourth thing, uh, Hannah asked me, she said some Afghan refugees are coming. So we need, she's gonna need some people to come and have relationships with those people. So again, if you're interested in that, you can also fill this out and just let us know and we can give your name to, to Hannah. So
1: thank you. Thank you guys, all of you. As we take some of those thoughts, try and pull some of those strings together, I'm always intrigued by the way Jesus sort of wraps things up with his disciples as he has been on this journey with them. is now about to return to his father and we're told these are some of the different endings in a couple of weeks. We're jumping into a new series in the book of Acts, which we're super excited about. And, and this is like the lead in to this book, Acts. He told them, This is what is written the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. The repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things I'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high this is mark's ending he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and and then finally this is matthew Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're not familiar with the Bible, if you're new to faith, new to journeying with Jesus, these are the endings to three of the biographies on jesus life and and this one here just is is the one that i'd love us just to focus on for just a couple of minutes as we end this how do we read these accounts i always used to read them as this this is jesus whipping his disciples up into some kind of frenzy and saying you've got to go and do this thing i read it as this like imperative no get out i know you won't want to but you've got to go anyway and yet as i got to read it later i started to question is that really what it is I actually don't think so. I actually think this is a moment where Jesus finally says, all of that thing that's been building, that experience, that life change, all of the ways that you've become connected to this story that I'm living out in the world, this is finally me saying, okay, now you get to play your part. I have a feeling that these followers of Jesus were longing to go. This is the finally the moment he says, everything that's changed within you, now go share it with the world around you. It's not a whipping up. It's not a pushing out the door. It's, it's a final release that says you get to go. A couple of short little stories that maybe help us see the difference. For a while, when I, Laura and I had been living here in 2010 in, in Michigan, we went back to England, and I didn't have a job, so I just got the first job I could find that you could get in one day. Uh, I agreed to be a charity fundraiser. You know those guys that knock on the doors like late at night and say, hey, can you give us some money? It never works very well. I had to get around 150 houses a night, and a good night was two people agreeing to support the charity. Now, the truth is, I would have said this. These charities were fairly worthwhile. They were pretty good, but, but really there was nothing in my heart that was particularly attached to them. I can remember sitting in my car till the last possible moment where the team leader said, right, we've really got to get to work. And I remember whipping through these conversations as quickly as I could just to get around my 150 houses. And I remember knowing that without the 5 or $6 an hour that they paid me to do this, I would never, ever have done this job. Everything about it was, was really just that sense of just, no, you have to. You have to make a living. But there was no deep change in me that said this is worthwhile. Compare that story to, to this story. This is a pot of English tea. A friend of mine, Steve and I used to sit regularly over breakfast for for hours every time we went and, and we would have wonderful conversations. But Steve is what I would describe as, well, he can sell anything. He could sell Eskimos their own. Snow, he's just one of those people. He's very compelling when he tries to let you know about a product. And I took this photo, this is the last photo I ever took on a phone that wasn't made by Apple. I took this picture on a phone right before I sat down with Steve just after the first iPhone had come out. I'd seen a couple of them in different people's hands and said, it's just a gimmick, it will pass, I don't really want one of these things. Until I sat with Steve. Steve's what you might call an Apple evangelist. There is something about him that he can share compellingly for this company that he seemed at the time like he deeply believed in. And what happened after this was even though I was going on vacation in about five hours, I drove myself to the Apple store and was soon a proud owner of an iPhone simply because Steve was compelling. Not because he was paid, not because he was coerced, not because he had to, but simply because he believed in what he was sharing. There is something about these earliest followers of Jesus that they have become deeply convinced about what they have experienced, and they are longing to go. This is a passage that Paul writes in Romans, "'And how shall they preach except they are sent? Even it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news of good things.'" These followers of Jesus are convinced that they have experienced good things, that this message of Jesus brings good things into the world around them, and they are longing to go. I'm going to leave us with this passage from a guy called Francis of Assisi, or this saying of a guy called Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. We just heard from five people who have been involved in taking these good things, this, this, this good news of good things, out into the world around them. And at times, at times they've used words. I'm going to invite Aaron to come up and we're going to close with some worship. I'm going to pray for us. What if we became a Jesus people who are relationally connected, deeply formed, and outward reaching? And what if that wasn't that one thing just led to another, but if if it was an ever-deepening spiral where every one of those things was connected to another? God, as we close... May you shape us into the community you want us to be. As we sing together again, may you speak to hearts. Perhaps there is a story stirring here somewhere amongst us. Perhaps as we heard from these five ladies that each at some point felt some stirring to be involved. Perhaps you're doing that in some of our hearts right now. Perhaps it's something new, something fresh. Perhaps it's something we have to start for ourselves. Perhaps it's something that's already happening but I believe you have a part for each of us to play. So for whatever you're calling to us in this season, for those of us that describe ourselves as being contented, may stir something up within us. Because those stories that we got to hear, those wonderful stories of joy, of life change, of new relationships, of new possibilities, they come about because a group of people were willing to say yes when you called. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
0: If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give online at southfellowship.org give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks for listening, South family. Have a great rest of your day.